cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, March 29th, uh, let's see, 2021, and it is time, diggity donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am from CBS Sports and uh, some other places. I'm joined by the gentleman, I mean, Puerto Rico's finest, back in Gringolandia, my friend and yours, Brian Campbell. Hi, BC. How was your weekend back, well, I won't say in Los Estados Unidos because you never left, but back here in Gringolandia. Uh, great to be back with the family, Luke. Uh, all good on the home front. Uh, y'all got that McDonald's haircut again? I like that, Luke. High and tight. You're looking good there. Great, great to see you again. Um, let's make let's make some digital magic, Luke. Okay. Listen, I have seen haircuts given out in McDonald's bathrooms. Don't think I haven't. They look a little bit worse than this. <laughs> I mean, you got to give me that. If nothing else, you got to give me that. Now that you're now that you're fully vaccinated, Luke, do you have the freedom to just live your life? The way you've always done beforehand, very arrogant. Uh, not, full, uh, not fully vaccinated because I have to wait another week or so for this first shot to uh, to vest for the antibodies to be developed, and then uh, I get the second one in a month, basically. So it won't be until two weeks after that. Basically, like early May is when I'll be like ready to to party, and you know I'll still obey all the local ordinances and stuff. But you're asking me like, will I eat indoors for the first time? Yes. In a year? Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you Team Moderna? Is that what's fueling your comeback here, Luke? I didn't really get a choice. You just kind of show up when your appointment is made or whatever, and they were like, we have Moderna today. So I was like, as long as it's not AstraZeneca, because they yeah. are doing a bad job. You should have uh, went in there and like, stick me with the Johnson. I want the big Johnson <laughs> right now. I want the Johnson and Johnson yeah. In the Johnson, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> just, just three Johnsons yeah. ready to go. Uh, BC, we have a lot to get to today. We have UFC 260 results. There's a ton of stuff there. But before we get to even all our normal disclaimers, we should set up some things. Uh, you and I are, are going to be together this week, at least part of the week anyway, for about three or so days because Friday, ladies and gentlemen, is the debut of Bellator on Showtime. Now we were originally we our plans were up in the air. We didn't know what we were doing, so we're going to be back at the bomb shelter. You and I for a Wednesday show, for a Friday show, and for I don't want to give away too much BC, but a bunch of other stuff surrounding that as well. Well, I'm being encouraged by our fine producer Mikey Mormile to uh, encourage all of you viewers out there that you want some room service diaries this week between Luke and BC. Then head on over to Apple Podcasts, give our great show a review five stars or whatever you're feeling, but specifically put your questions in the review. I don't want, we don't want Luke to rank his five favorite lightweight champions of all time. All right. Mm -hmm. Have a little fun, be a little bit original and uh, hopefully we can uh, get a little saucy and make some, uh, make some fun times there. But yeah, we'll be uh, back in the uh, bomb.com Luke and uh, let's, let's launch. Let's make this new marriage, the Bellator MMA exclusive home on Showtime. Let's, let's help them consummate it. All right. Yeah, we probably will on some level, or we'll just be two cucked weirdos watching, <laughs> watching from the side. Which like much of Luke's sex likely. history, yeah, it'd be very <laughs> voyeuristic, but that's fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so with that out of the way, please uh, give a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice, leave a nice review if you're so inclined. Put a fun question in there. We'll get to it on Room Service Diaries. But there's a lot more planned than just the show and Room Service Diaries. So um, stay tuned is what I would say. All right. 
So if you want to try Showtime and you want to watch Bellator on Friday, this Friday, you can see below in the lower third there the link, show.com slash Bellator MMA. You can get all of Showtime, not just Bellator and Showtime, but the entirety of the Showtime experience. You can get it for $4.99 for the first six months. Uh, if you want to try some merch from MK, you can do that. You can go to store, excuse me, yes, store.show.com. That's just S-H-O. Hats, mugs, shirts, tumblers. Again, we're told there's more coming. I don't want to make any more promises, uh, you know, given how long this stuff takes. But, you know, you're covered for at least right now. Uh, anything else, BC? Uh, you know, check out our uh, check out our bonus content. We are we are filling your uh, your in holes uh, not just every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with live shows or Luke's Thursday live chat, but plenty of good interviews out there. Emmanuel Sanchez, Big John McCarthy, getting you all set for Friday night's Bellator two fifty five. So uh, head on over to YouTube slash morning combat and uh, check some of that ish out. All right, please like and subscribe. As Luke said, uh, we have so many. Really great ideas and plans for the future. We just need you to continue to help us get there. So let's be one team, one dream, okay? And then we can cream, get on top, cream, shaboogie, bop, right? All right. Very good. All right. Keep your pants on. Okay. With that uh, out of the way, let's start the show. Topic topic number one, if we can, ladies and gentlemen. Well, guess what? We have a new UFC Heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou defeats Stipe Miocic second round KO to become the new champion. Uh, BC, I did a post fight show, so I gave my initial reaction. I've got some additional thoughts, but first things first, we kick it off with your assessment. What is your biggest takeaway from Big Francis's win on Saturday night? It's a scary-ass motherfucker, Luke, okay? I try not to use those words in this setting too often, but uh, good lord. Look, uh, you know all of our analysis coming in. Francis could have improved uh, nothing. He could have improved negatively from the first Stipe fight and still won it because he has freakish power. But, Luke, to essentially see him have improved across the board in almost every single category from the variety in his striking with body punches and high kicks to cardio, game planning. We know he has a great chin. And then wrestling. Luke, to see him go to the ground and basically make Stipe look like Frank Mir in the Lesnar rematch with that, you know, uh, whack-a-mole pounding. I mean, this was a thorough, scary, impressive performance that flips Everything upside down of what we thought coming in, which is wild because let's remind ourselves, Ngannou just knocked out four of the best heavyweights now and in recent history in four consecutive fights that lasted under four minutes total, right? He just kicked the shit out of the division, yet we were still like, there's levels to this, right? When he gets up to the steep A level again, when he gets to the John Jones level, you know, he's, you know, you can beat Curtis Blades twice, but when you get to that highest level where somebody can take your punch or somebody can outlast you, you're going to see something different like we saw in 2018. Oh, we saw something different, all right. We <laughs> saw a, I don't want to call him complete Luke because we saw flashes of a complete game. We didn't see five rounds of it, but we saw just an absolute monster that is here it's his time now and obviously we're going to spin this forward in a minute and talk john jones so i don't want to go too far here but just as it pertains to right now stipe came in thinner 
had a great game plan, showed a stupidly good chin, and still got sent to the basement floor of Hades, Luke. It's it's Ngannou's time, and I was uh, in awe watching on Saturday night. Yeah, he got sent to the land of wind and ghosts pretty quickly. Uh, Here's a question for you, BC, because this is what I was thinking about, too. When did it dawn on you in the middle of this fight that Stipe was in trouble? What happened? Well, there, there's there's almost like periods of that. Like, you know, the first time he stuffed that Nganu stuffed the takedown very early, you're like, oh, man. Oh, man, this is a different beast now. But then you give the Stipe, like I mentioned, credit. I mean, to have, look, he took punches in that first round that people don't come back from. I mean, he took a straight right, you know, cross. He took in, in close range. So there were levels where you're like, oh, Stipe survived that. He's back. And then even in early in round two, when Stipe landed his biggest shot, you're like, okay, this could end up being a lot like the first fight all over again. I mean, Luke, there were so many different levels to when I, to, to a lot of ranges of emotion in a very short time. I don't necessarily have one specific turning point, but. I mean, what was that? Basically a jab that put him away? A half-hook jab? I mean, that was one of the scariest-looking shots I ever saw, Luke, and he basically went like this with it. I mean, this is just like... I don't have to teach you about his freakish power. We already knew that. But when you put it together with the size, athleticism, explosiveness, and now he's patient enough to, like, game plan... Luke, I, like, you don't want to be like in the moment, right? First night we slept together, I love you. I do love you, Luke. You don't want to be that guy right now. But could you imagine this guy losing at heavyweight? Like, no, I can't anymore. If he's got these skills, Luke, at, forget Stipe, everyone's in trouble. It's going to take something special to beat him other than the father time decline over time question, right? I mean, we should really talk about what Francis did in this fight in terms of his improvement. One took his time. I mean, he was, you know, he had, it was interesting about uh, Francis. He has such belief in his power that when he gets a guy backed up or scrambling, right? How many times was Stipe trying to get to his feet or on his hands or, you know, in some kind of transitory moment where he was trying to get back to square with Francis and Francis would just unload on him. But then at range, really be careful about setting stuff up. So like in the end, his volume was not too high, not too low, just kind of a real medium overall level of it. But but it was voluminous where it needed to be. It was patient where it needed to be. The setup where he basically, what you're talking about is where he drops Stipe in the second round. He actually takes a stutter step. So he breaks the rhythm, throws the punch, takes another step, and then throws the jab. And it completely has... Stipe dead to right. So he's changing up rhythm. He's changing up not so much stances, but the the way in which he's closing distances. Uh, he was throwing an uppercut across an angle. I mean, the shot selection here was incredible. BC, even that final left hook that he threw, right? Why was that so good? Well, first of all, that you can carry power in a, in a six-inch window like that to just drill someone's lights out is incredible. But it's also the right shot to throw because he was able to get off at an angle. The, the other punch went by him. And it's a short distance. You can travel to the target very quickly. So you're going to land first. You're going to be ahead. Dude, this was like, I mean, I don't want to overstate things. I don't think that he is the technician per se that Stipe is. But you just look at the takedown defense and then going, I said this on um, Saturday Night PC. He didn't just stuff the takedown and separate. He stuffed the takedown and went for the back and then was hammering Stipe. He went from defense to offense like that in that position. And then I mentioned all the stuff on the feet or when Stipe was circling away, he didn't lunge so he would kick him in the body because, you know, you can connect to the body, not the head because, you know, the whole Reyes and Jones thing. Dude, I was like, 
if the, if a guy is is again, do I think he's a technician that Stipe is overall? No, I don't think so. But if you're reasonably good enough and you are a physical alien, who's going to beat that guy? I mean, I mean, it is obviously possible. We know it will eventually happen. I'm just saying right now. To your point, the level of improvement is significant, and even where it's at, it's not perfect. But you marry that with all of the things he else he represents, and it is so formidable. I honestly am like laughing at the concept of. I mean, it's amazing well, at, that Stipe la- la- UFC, lasted over a round. Yeah, and look what the UFC has now from a marketing potential. I mean, you, you've you've got the guy they've always wanted, right? MMA's answer to Mike Tyson, who they tried hard to build up three years ago, and it just wasn't time. You know, it didn't work. It came close. He he did rock Stipe in that first fight, but it didn't happen. And now you've got this guy who is insanely well-spoken and, and, and endearing and humble and polite, has one of the most outrageous backstories. That, look, I, I didn't even know the full, the full measure of his backstory, and I thought I did until writing a preview column for this fight and really digging in deeper. I think the more that he's doing interviews, you find out even more nuggets of, of the things he had to overcome, being jailed in Spain when he tried to cross the Mediterranean on his way to France. I mean, you know, just wild stuff. And then on top of that, Luke, uh, now he can do the things that you thought you could expose him, right? And to expose him, you were going to have to be a special animal. I think we are going to retroactively look at Stipe's win in that first fight and just be like, holy crap, that was a Herculean effort. And also one thing we're going to take from that, Luke, when we rewatch that tape, is that Ngannou had a lot of moments in that first fight where this whole run could have been over. I mean, you know, get, getting your ass kicked that thoroughly can certainly, like, stunt your potential growth mentally to a level where you may never get there, right? Not to mention the physical beating he took. Uh, yet, you look at that, he showed an insane chin, Francis Ngannou, in that first fight because Stipe was just beating on him. Francis was exhausted, yet he kept getting up and he kept coming forward. I think that retroactively now, that shows us a ton of who Francis actually is. Now that he's had the time, he's got the right team and the right focus to start to close the door on these wide gaps in his in his talent game that he was missing. I mean, when you saw, again, that first takedown that Francis stuffed and turned it into him punching from behind, I mean, everyone's going to get finished by those type of shots. Literally, everyone. Those are some of the most brutal shots that Stipe just barely hung on from. He's going to dissuade you from taking him down. And even if you are ultimately of a John Jones level, which no one is in terms of defensively, game planning, all that stuff, you still have to pitch a perfect game that is going to be so much more uh, tense-filled and dramatic and precarious than the one Stipe did three years ago when those gaps were wide open, when it was wide open for Stipe, probably the only one, again, who could have done that, to just take Francis down and keep slipping the right hand. Now you're going to ask somebody, and hopefully it's going to be John Jones, now you're going to ask somebody to have to do that when he can also do these other things, and he's not going to you know, shoot his wad in the first two minutes, stamina-wise. I mean, Luke, UFC overnight has something that I don't think they they knew. I don't think they were prepared for, even though they they obviously put him in that position three years ago with the hope that he could be this this thing, right? This thing that, that casual fans need to see. I think when you mix in his personal story with his improvement and all that, he has the potential right now, Luke. Tell me if I'm bat shit crazier than normal, right? Okay? 
he has the potential to get to like Lesnar Rousey territory in terms of fame and pay-per-view draw because this is exactly what people want. And then you add in the globalization, African champion, all that. I mean, what else does does he need to have the potential? I don't know how long that window is going to be, but to be like the biggest star in the sport. I don't know. I mean, his native language is French. I believe that's right. And so, you know, he does carry a a pretty thick accent, which, you know, I don't say in kind of a pejorative way. Half my family is that way. It's fine. It's a great thing, actually. But I do wonder to what extent that that would limit any potential upside. He is soft-spoken to a degree, you know, although he has begun to show more of his personality. And I think as that comes with time, um, that could only serve his interest. I mean, I do think we need to reconsider. I'll say this. We do need to reconsider just how big he could be because I think after a performance like that, um, you know, you at least have to take seriously the possibility this guy could be a dominant figure for a long time, and all the things he represents could be quite marketable and 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 good for his career and good for everybody else around it. At the same time, you know, you're talking about a level with Rousey or somebody else that is so extraordinary. I, I'm having a hard time seeing that at this moment, but um, but I do believe that if this guy can just keep up what he was doing on Saturday, I mean, dude, he may. This last run of his, dude, if you look at all the fights that preceded this one and then this one, they were not hard for him. <laughs> like, they were not difficult. He ran he through everyone. Yeah. he. I mean, like, look, could he just keep fighting every two and a half months? I mean, seriously. Like, like if he does something like that, he's going to be MMA's Mike Tyson, and I'm telling you, it's going to take over the casual sphere. It, 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 they're, they're, I, I, I would love to see it. I would absolutely for I mean this guy is obviously you know I don't know what his nationality is in terms of where where you know he collects mail to vote or whatever but he is very much the American dream to me um he is very much a guy who is easy to like who has a totally unique yet relatable in some ways or certainly a a, a not relatable was the word but endearing story uh, however improbable it all may be. I mean, he's Rocky and Mike Tyson combined. I mean, it's sort of a weird thing in that kind of a way. So I, I really believe that there's possible possibility for him. I just want to have a bit of a wait-and-see approach about what it looks like. Now, before we move to point two, BC, we do have to address a bit of an elephant in the room. You and I spent a considerable amount of time last week bigging up Stipe Miocic. You know, we were exercising our own demons for uh, not giving this guy the credit that maybe he deserved on different ways and different issues. I did pick against him on uh, HQ, and I thought, man, I am going to fuck this up again. Uh, Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But the resume review, every time we do it, and if you count the mini one, which we did for Tyron Woodley, so a mini resume review, if you count that as the fourth one, every time we've done one, uh, BC, the guy loses. 4-0. We're batting 1,000 here, BC. Not looking too good for us. Uh, B- Luke and BC make it look jinxy is really where you should be going with this, Luke. Uh, the resume review, it was a joke. It started off at as a oh, fun little segment. No, it's real. The curse is very real, Luke. Okay, And if you don't believe in the MK cur- curse at this point, let, let me let me sprinkle a little more on you. Uh, uh, Rashad Evans never fought again after joining MK, right? Was talking about this big comeback. Uh, <laughs> Chuck Mendenhall. Not growing hair on his head anymore, okay? Uh, 
Greg uh, Greg Kelly did jail time. I mean, anyone who's who's come into contact with this show, Luke, has really gone uh, unfortunately in the wrong direction. So a lot of people saying, "Hey, you know, can you get Peter Yan up next?" Oh, I hate John Jones. Can you get him up next? Uh, we're not actively looking to uh, to ruin people's uh, future plans, Luke. But uh, I mean, have you seen Jay Aaron again since this? The guy had to change his name professionally. I mean, come on, right? So uh, something's ha- there's a reason why Manich, our producer, doesn't like us talking about his music career on the air. Okay. Okay, uh, but wow, Luke, wow, it's it's yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, four here's, here's more the way I look at it. I have, I mean, I always had sympathy for them, but even more so now, which was like you know, Modelo is like uh, they they eventually got behind Steve in a way that worked for a while, but they got behind him and then he lost. They got behind Brian Ortega and they lost. Now they got behind Amanda Nunez because they were like, all right, you know, two strikes that's on us. Third, you know, this is a fixable thing. So, but the point being is, it just shows you every time in MMA. We're like, why did we have someone on resume review? Well, yes, it's an interesting fight, but we're also talking about someone who has had an interesting journey. And, dude, power at the top is hard to attain. It is short-lived. It is all those things. So, yeah, I do think eventually we're going to write the ledger here a little bit. But it also just goes to show, man, when when you try to do big things in MMA, even if you've already done big things, which is how you get on resume review – it is, it is impossible to be consistently successful at the top. It is just impossible in this game. And, you know, insiders like us keep whiffing on this kind of tells you how hard it is to, to identify um, at the right moments. Luke, are you going to transition into Jones next or Stipe? Because I had something to say about old Stipe. Say it about Stipe. Let's hear it. Well, um, you know, it, it's probably apropos that I finally coming around. I come around. I actually picked him to win. I switched last minute. That, of course, I would jinx him right there. That's it. That's that's happened. Yeah, before. see, that's you, you're blaming me for this shit, but that's that's the jinx move. Yeah, but but ultimately, Luke, I I wouldn't even say anything negative about his game plan. Like he probably got finished in the end because he he got a little bit too aggressive after landing that big right hand, and maybe he thought he had a little bit of an opening, and he kind of stepped forward and stepped right into that left hand, and that was the end. But He's 38, and I think like he's before this fight. Even though yes, the 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 wars are grind, the wars are adding up. Let's not let's not avoid that. But you know, I loved how th- how lean and thin he came in. I feel like he was still getting better. I feel like I would have no issue with his game plan in hindsight. He just lost to the better man, and I hope he keeps going, Luke, because I really think he could beat. You know, just about anybody else, maybe short of John Jones, which would be a great fight. So I hope that Stipe, uh, if he wants to keep doing it, realizes that there's still, a, uh, you know, a, a big pile of money out there to earn and that that he can go out there and win it. Because I didn't see, oh, you know, this happened because it's three years later. Stipe is older. No, Stipe came out there with with uh, <laughs> with the with some wavos and he went after it and. Uh, and, you know, he swung big and he went down hard. But uh, uh, do you see any negative issue with his performance or what his future could be? Performance, I mean, you could all... I'm sure he looked at that final sequence and is like, ugh, you know, why did I do that? I'm sure there's some other stuff in the fight where he would go back and do it differently. Listen, the guy showed he had a terrible first fight with Cormier. He had a not-so-great fight the second time, although he was able to salvage it there in a pretty dramatic way. And then I thought he had a really good fight against Cormier the last time. In other words, he has shown a capacity to adapt and change, and I think you have to take that seriously. At the same time, you also have to take 38 seriously. And, like, dude, this is the point I was trying to make, and we'll talk about here with the with what's next with John Jones or Stipe or whatever. I've seen people calling for the trilogy fight. I'm like, dude, this fight wasn't even remotely close. Like, there was no part of that. Stipe landed, what, two inside kicks and, you know, 
a bunch of small other stuff. Like, what's the best single thing he did in this fight except survive? Nothing. You know what I'd like There's to see? I'd like to see him make one more run to get back to a third fight. So let's say yes. we could see the future and Fra- Francis has the title. Or even if John won the title, it really wouldn't matter. Your whole point is, I think Stipe's got one more big, at the very least, one more big run in him to go out, beat two or three second tier, you know, number one contender guys, and then I think you can make a trilogy then if you had to, but I agree with you. Yes. There's no reason to run this back right now. Yes, and I, I know people are like, well, what about your status as greatest of all time? And it's like, dude, yes, I agree that that should matter. Um, I agree that that is a obviously a very hugely significant uh, accomplishment, but it cannot be a get-out-of-jail-free card every time you have a loss in a title campaign, you had the loss to Cormier, and he went and took another bout. But then you, the next bout that that Stipe had was that one. And they ran it back. We're gonna do this all over again. Like, no, you lost pretty cleanly, not back of the line, but you know, kind of, kind of get it going again. All right, so let's go to point number two, BC, because this one is highly interesting. The UFC broadcast pumped up big time the heavyweight ascendancy of John Jones as a possibility for Francis Ngannou's next fight. We've all known he was probably going to get the winner of this bout, whether it was Stipe or whether it was Francis. Anyway, and he took to Twitter, ready to go, exclaiming his interest, send me the papers, show me the money, the whole nine yards. And then UFC President Dana White got out there, BC, at the post-fight press conference and did this whole, I mean, I cannot believe we are back here again, but basically tried to argue <laughs> if you wanted to take the fight, you could have taken it already because there's what we're going to pay you for it. And that's really not going to change. So let me know if you're ready to do a deal or not. And then presenting it as, if he doesn't want to take this deal, oh, it must mean he doesn't want to fight. BC, or, question for you. Or go down to 185. You. The Dana yeah, joke. Or, or, yeah, go down or, down or go to 185. Question for you, BC. Are we going to actually get Francis versus Derek Lewis too because of how cheap everyone's being here? God, I really hope not, Luke. And obviously there's two sides to the to the Dana versus John money debate, but this is a overnight story after the fight I wrote for cbssports.com. Sort of my my ta- my biggest takeaway is UFC is st- look, it's not I want to say UFC has stumbled into the next great super fight. It, you don't want to say stumbled because Dana had already announced before Saturday's fight that John Jones was getting the, the winner, right? They didn't stumble into it, but because Francis's performance was so otherworldly and next level, it, it just doubled and tripled down on what, what comes next, what that actually means. Luke, so yes, they stumbled into the next great super fight. And it's not a forced Connor one coming off of a defeat. It's not a, well, if we can convince Habib to come out of retirement. This is your sexiest, biggest potential division of heavyweight. And it's your greatest fighter of all time in John Jones against your most dominant champion probably ever i mean this is central casting luke this fight has to be friggin next so it was disappointing as all hell to see dana go to that area now why did dana do that publicly because he's no he knows he's had uh very heated financial debates with john in the past and he wanted to challenge john's manhood in my opinion by basically being like are you sure john really wants it maybe you should cut to 185 hoping that will force john to go oh my god i want this of course i am let's sign today for whatever money you're going to offer here's the deal dana this fight is uh, 
a potential monster for you. Very little fights have that opportunity to truly, I mean truly, reach into the casual fan base across sports and, and pop culture. This is one of those. Ngannou has that, uh, that Mike Tyson shtick all over him, right? And John Jones is the name that everybody knows as the greatest fighter. They, like It sells its friggin' self. You cannot pay these guys regular money. I'm sorry. You, if John Jones says... It's about time I get paid. You can't come off and send him the same thing you would have sent him for defending his title in a rematch with Dom Reyes. This is where I back John in this debate. You can't do it, okay? Because here's the here's the the reality of this. If John goes in there and loses to Francis, Francis could double down on his potential stardom. We're talking. I was talking about him having like the potential to be a Rousey Lesnar esque draw. If he goes out there and knocks out John Jones, who's who's not forty, right? He's thirty three. I mean, are you kidding me? You pay John Jones what it takes to get him in there. And again, if John Jones goes in there and wins, Luke, you now can say, here's the greatest of all time, still in his prime, two-division champion, and oh, by the way, you know what's next? Him against Stipe. You know what's next? Him against Francis again. You know what's next after that? Him against Francis a third time. I mean, you you have like you ha- you will have what UFC has always coveted, but never quite got to a viable star filled heavyweight era. A like, look, there is no other level of catnip that you can sell the modern audience of people who don't watch cage fighting on the regular, but might but might be willing to drop 80 to 100 bucks for a big one than two giant heavyweights and a contrast style of a defensive, thoughtful John Jones against an absolute friggin' beast. So the fact that, that UFC is essentially leading off with the, well, you know, does he really want... like The, the fact that they're leading off with if we, if we can get the right price. You know what, Luke? Fuck the right price. Okay? You know what the right price is? Fuck the right price. Like, put the money in John's pocket. Okay, I know he's had issues. I know he's been stripped of the title a million times. But UFC has personally gone out of their way to keep him going, right? Remember when they moved that card from Vegas to LA last minute? Remember when his USADA thing kind of got cleared and he was back? I mean, they have done everything to keep this star in it. You have a chance now to make a generational fight. Luke, when Joe Rogan closed that pay-per-view broadcast on Saturday and said, you know what, guys, this has the potential to be like the most important fight of all time, like the biggest fight of all time. Like that's not freaking hyperbole. Like think of what this actually is on paper. Is it a grudge war on the level of Conor Habib? Okay, no, but nothing else is, right? This is the Super Bowl. This is a fight you put in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas or you put in Jerry World in Arlington, Texas in front of 80 to 90,000 people. This is that freaking fight. If you if John wants 25 million or whatever it's going to take, Luke, am I crazy? You give him that. What are we doing here? Yeah, I I uh <laughs> It's like it's like you you ask yourself, wow, what would it really take for the UFC to come up off their pockets, you know? What would it really take? And you begin to, you know, make a list of fights that are you know not crazy ass ones like connor versus francis like ones you could actually make in a division right and this one now that you have the reality that you have is like if this isn't number one on the list what is it two behind connor versus whoever the fuck i mean this is the fight to make this is easily the fight to make for anyone above 170 pounds this is the biggest one 
you can make at this point, I think, quite frankly, now that Stipe has lost, what is a bigger fight you could actually make between two different humans, between the light heavyweight and the heavyweight class? Uh, obviously, now Adesanya back at middleweight, not in that conversation anymore either. And if, even if he was, I don't know if it would be as, as big as this one. This is nuts. This is nuts. And so, you know, that we're not even really in that part of the conversation. I realize UFC is going to, you know, um, uh, play hardball here. That's the only, that's the only uh, pitch they know, but... Okay, still, it just is weird that we're automatically back in this position. Let me just say something I think that needs to be said. So that the, not, not that you need to hear it. I think, BC, you understand the, this quite well. And I think most of our audience does too. But we did have some new ones over the weekend. It bears repeating. The argument that John Jones, he wants to be overpaid now or has been traditionally paid more than he's worth or something like that, it is fiction. It is total and complete fiction. In fact, the only acceptable position to have around John Jones' pay and his demands is that this is a guy who's been taking a haircut on this for 10 years. He has never been paid up to what he has uh, uh, pulled relative to any of his other sporting peers or combat sports peers, however you want to financially make the arrangement. It's not even close. The UFC has been getting John Jones at a discount and they want to keep that discount and he no longer wishes for that to be the case and he's picking this particular juncture to have this fight understand something people the only debate about fighter pay whether it's a-listers like john jones or brand newcomers who are filling in for short short notice uh, contests the only argument about fighter pay is not should it be more or whatever it is just how you're going to fix a clearly one-sided situation. Do you want to go the Ali Act or do you not? Do you want to sue him or do you not? Do you want to have a trade association or a union or not? That's the only debate you're having now. The idea that John Jones is asking for too much, John Jones should walk in there with 10 years of pay-per-view headlining and be like, you should be glad I'm not asking for this. I'm not asking for what you owe. I'm asking for what you can do right yeah, now. Look, they are what lucky saying. he doesn't do that. He's we're not saying like get that that remember when Mayweather the last few fights I mean he was on a level where the guarantee was getting up to like 40 or 50 and we he was regularly taking home like close to 100. We're not even saying that. But Luke, you know this is a 2 and a half million pay-per-view buy. I mean, this has potential to be a three. I mean, this has potential to be stupid, right? I mean, even if it underperformed and did two million buys, like at that point, shouldn't these guys be making the big Canelo, the big Pacquiao, the big whatever money? Where you know what I mean? Where you're coming in guaranteed, you're going to make twenty million. I I don't understand how. I mean, you can still underpay the rest, Luke, and keep this as the one percent rarefied error that somebody could hope to one day get to the level of, right? Like yeah. these guys are at that level. This is like the level of Canelo calling his own shots and getting no matter who the opponent that amount of money. Only this isn't a no matter who the opponent. It's Francis Ngannou whose stock could not be any larger, and John has an opportunity to make this giant history. And like, there's no way they could lose under any circumstance of how Ngannou Jones played out, Luke, it would spawn all of these other big things. Even if John got like Roy Jones prime level knocked out, right? Let's say like John got Tarvard or Glenn Johnson, right? Just straight up destroyed. You know, we could still go back to 205. You know, we could still bang the drum for Adesanya Jones at 205. Like there is a lot you could do in any direction here. Uh, 
let's not let this one slip away for some stupidity. And I didn't necessarily get Luke when Rogan, before making that comment about how big this fight could be, his knee-jerk reaction was also, oh, Derek Lewis has got to be the fight to make next, right? And even the guys around him on the booth were like, uh, no, bro, John Jones. I mean, like, what the hell are you talking about here? I mean, somebody slip a uh, a corporate pill in your coffee. Like, what's going on here? So, I love me some Derek Lewis. That rematch is going to happen, eventual title or not title. But um, let's stop the presses and make this fight. And since it's the time now to get people back in the arenas and the stadiums, like this is your stadium fight, UFC. This is the one. Don't screw it up. Yeah, and the other part here too is, um, you know. I think you, you you raise great points, right? I mean, the, the urgency of the moment, I think, really is what is uh, at issue here. But something to keep in mind is like, dude, I don't know how John Jones is going to look at heavyweight. Gustafson went up to heavyweight and didn't look good. DC, obviously, is totally different, looked really good, but faded it kind of down the stretch there a little bit in terms of what he was. But that's, you know, a complicated situation. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, the guy, to me, lost to Derek Reyes, Dominic Reyes at, at 100, or 205 pounds. Jesus Christ. So to me, it's like, Maybe he goes up to heavyweight and he's instantly competitive and he wins the belt. Like that's obviously a very plausible scenario. But I'm just saying, if John is going to lose, you'd much rather have him lose right away to Francis than like Derek Lewis or Curtis Blades or something else where those are good fighters. But if you lose to Francis, you still hold on to this situation where you're like, okay, but that was a one-time thing. We can do it again. We can make some money, blah, blah, blah. It's just better for hedging. It's not one payday or, or one windfall for the UFC. To your point... The web of giant paychecks for everybody, if everybody plays ball, is significant here and goes on, BC, for years. For years. It's not one fight. It's an open door to a whole universe of new fights, right? I mean, I mean, like when you finally have three or four very marketable heavyweights and another three, four after that of competitive ones, like, look, they've never had this. Never. It would be like... Couture, Mir, and nobody else, right? Or Sylvia. It'd be like uh, JDS, Kane, and nobody else. And then when you had people, injuries fell apart. I mean, this is, they've never had a completely active and red hot heavyweight division. And now they have a chance to have one at the pay per view level. Are you kidding me? What are we missing here, Luke? What the I, frick are we missing here? I mean, Boo Boo Wild know. Thing on line one, Dana, okay? Make, make it happen, please. All right, so now um, let's go to something different. We've been discussing this fight for almost 35, 40 minutes. Let's go to now the co-main event, BC. Topic number three. All right, I'm just going to ask this plainly. I'm just going to give it to you straight here, BC. After his fourth consecutive defeat, should Tyron Woodley retire? Um, he should he should be done with the UFC is, is what I think. I think they should cut him, and I think they will after Dana White basically said that in the, in the post-fight press conference. Uh, I don't think this means, though, Luke, that his career has to be over. So let me explain this. The three losses heading into this were so lifeless that it was really hard to, like... You know, is it is it a phys- is he physically too old? Can he not take a punch anymore? Does he not want to take a punch anymore? There were a lot of just weird... The, the, the computer wires didn't connect anymore. What I love about this loss for Tyron, even though it was reckless, right? And I mean, it was, it was not prime Tyron, is that he went out on his shield. He went in there and gave himself a chance to win this fight. He was just like, you know what? The last three were so... I, he's like, he can't even explain the last three losses, okay? So he just bit down and went in there guns blazing. First of all, I have a lot of respect for that because, uh, you know, what happened to him and what can happen when you do that. 
But second of all, I, I think he's still got something left. It just can't be at, at this super elite UFC level. If he wants to go to a different organization in which the matchmaking would allow for him, Luke, to, to linger and, and, and get some wins against lesser competition, I think he's still physically uh, there enough where, where it's not completely irresponsible. It would be completely irresponsible, though, for him to keep trying to fight legitimate elite UFC title contenders. And I think also when you consider the payday level he de- he would demand as a former champion and his history of not being uh, one and one with Dana here, it, his career is over with the UFC and I think it should be Luke. Yeah, I mean, this is this is all heading in the wrong direction. I, I went back and I, uh, I said this on Friday night uh, or Saturday night BC, which was, you know, first you lose to Usman, you lose the title, but okay. Then you lose to Burns and you get taken down and you get cut. So it's like, I mean, he got taken down obviously against Kamaru, but um, you know he got beat up a little bit against Burns. Then he got stopped via injury, but still he got stopped in his third loss against Colby. Now you get stopped in the first round and you got straight up finished by a fighter who is obviously Luke is very good, but to that point had not really won at the championship caliber level just yet in this division. You know, it's everything is heading in a direction that is, frankly, if he sticks around at this level, dangerous. It is, is going to be dangerous for him to keep fighting at this level, and I don't think there's really any argument for that. What's interesting to me about this one, though, what's kind of problematic, BC, is because, I mean, I'm with you. On Saturday night, I even read your tweet on the air, or I, I think I, I, I paraphrased it, which was, you know, he went out on his shield, Tyron Woodley did. I, I think that's absolutely correct. There's no denying that's true. But the problem is he can't seem to find the right gear. So I went back and I watched this fight just before today's show. You know, let me see maybe something new here, what I missed. And I always like to go back a second time at least and watch without commentary. And what I saw here was, you know, you're right. Aggression from the start, coming out, trying to get takedowns, blah, blah, blah. Intensity from the word go. But it was there was no real strategy to it. I mean, here's why he got hit with that right hand. Because he was throwing the right hand or maybe a jab in front of it, over and over and over. No change, no setup, no nothing. Just bop, 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 bop. And, and, and by the third one of those, that's when you saw Luque get off to the side and bring his own right and absolutely crush him. And that set up the beginning of the end. It was just, I appreciate that he was trying to manufacture the will to get out there and bring out the beast inside of him. And that is... Dude, I don't envy the the place that Tyron Woodley is in right now. It's a tough place where you can't not only just win, you can't even be yourself out there. It'd be one thing if you lost and you felt like yourself, you know, you gave it a college try and it just didn't go your way that night. You could live with that a little bit. It must be hard losing and then also not being able to show who you are. But what I'm trying to point out here, BC, is in that effort to muster the spirit for that fight, he had to give away all the things that make him smart. He had to yeah. give away all the things. Dude, Tyron Woodley is a Tyron Woodley when he was doing those desks for the Fox gig, he was maybe my favorite analyst on the panel. Super smart. He knows he was not fighting in a particularly scientific way, man. He was just trying to ah, like flail against it. And to me, that just signals something a little bit, perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, but it's it feels a little desperate, BC. I think that's what I'm saying. And I that for that reason, I worry about still continuing on. It's, it felt very desperate. Luke, his mojo is gone, which, is, you know, we talked about this in the mini resume review that something happened between the till fight and the first loss there where, it, like, the, the computer wiring just came apart and never got put back together. He can't figure out 
the confidence level, the everything, Luke, right? It's like, like again, I'm going to give him so much credit for just like being like, I've got one thing left, right? And, and, and it's whatever's left of my athleticism and the fact that I've got a big right hand and I'm just going to throw it and see what happens. But yeah, it cannot be against elite competition. So if he wants to go out with a win and do it on his own terms and can do that in a secondary organization, that's fine. But you can't put together the pieces anymore. Humpty Dumpty's on the ground, right? Like there, whatever it took for him to be at that super freaking elite level when he was a he was so efficient and so smart in game planning, that's never going to be there again. It seems so. Uh, what a, I mean, look, what a, a, a insane decline. I mean, it's just well, like, how, what, have you seen something like that in boxing where the guy's champion and then not only loses it, just can't. Like, but four fights later, they don't even look like themselves. No, because it's always due to chin or age when somebody just kind of falls off the cliff, right? It's just like, oh, man, that guy could have been something. He just can't take a freaking punch. Or, you know, age caught up with him. He just doesn't have the speed anymore or the elusiveness. Uh, you know, yes, age did play a role. But but the difference between who he was in the Till fight and who he was in the Usman fight when it's less than one calendar year apart it's mind-boggling, Luke. Really, it's it's. I've never seen that extreme of a disconnect where your fighting spirit is gone, your ability to figure out your way out of trouble and make adaptions is gone. I mean, in in the fact that he had to. I mean, I don't know if you listened to the Ariel interview ahead of this fight, Luke, but he had to really get himself back into like a dark, angry, aggressive place, a place where he basically said he hadn't been in in many a year. Back mm. to like his youth of of you know being kind of in gangs and being involved almost in organized crime. Like he had to get himself back to that mindset just to produce what we saw in there, which was a guy brave enough to just throw himself into oncoming traffic. Um, Luke, that doesn't fall apart overnight typically, right? And then in the Usman fight, that was gone. I, it's just, it's wild. The only thing I can point to, BC, is just age, because he's going to be 39 here in a couple of weeks. And for a welterweight, that is just, that's I can't overstate. At 39, again, 39 Stipe, you know, it's a little bit old, but... Uh, not reason enough to think he couldn't get a title shot again for crying out loud. 39 at welterweight. That is man. That is a really, really, really hard place to be. And that's even for an a plus athlete like Tyron Woodley. I mean, the dude, the fact that he won the belt at what? 36 at, you know, and welterweight is, is kind of a miracle. It's kind of a, I mean, I don't think people really give that enough. When's the next time well, you're going to see was, someone not be a 36 year old champion, BC, not 36, capture Luke. the belt at 36? Isn't he 38 now? He won the belt five years ago. So, no, 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 34 then? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it was still late ish, but he wasn't 36. I think he was still maybe even 30. You're right. No, sorry. He was 34, but he was still older than the 33 or 34 that Lawler was. Yes, you dead wrong me live on air. I think that's right. Even then, though, he is. Uh, in terms of how old a fighter was by the time they captured the Walter White title, he is the oldest in UFC history. I mean, the fact that you can do that and be that is amazing that he had that run even after that, where he was beating Till and blah, 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 and Maya and everything. It's pretty remarkable, but it just seemed like that was the most he was going to be able to get out of it, given how the clock was kind of ticking um, behind him with the age. I, that's the only thing I can think of. So we'll see what happens next. Um, Luke, all right, BC. Luke A. Luke, Luke A. Luke, Vincente Yeah, Luke Vin- Vincente Luque, what do you want to say about him? I, I want to say, can we not just like look over the fact that he's won 13 of 15, 9 out of his last 10, I mean, 11 out of his last 30. I mean, some all these wild stats, Luke. 
he's not changing his calling card of what we liked about him originally, that he kind of runs right at you with intelligent, you know, he's got good technique, he's, he's an intelligent striker, but he does fight a hair reckless for the elite level. It really hasn't caught up to him a lot lately. Do you think he can keep up this style and this mindset now that he's going to really start to get the killers in front of him? I don't know. I thought that with this win, it's probably going to put him inside the, what, top seven or eight, more or less, where Woodley was occupying, something like that, which means, man, you know, you've got you've got Wonder Boy sitting at four, or I think five, excuse me, five. So he's right outside that window where things begin to get super serious. I don't think he can fight any other way. I mean, he can polish it. He can clean it up. He can make it smarter. He can make it more defensively responsible. But that kind of way in which he fights – you know, it's a bit of a blood and gut style. I, I just feel like is who he's always going to be. But as you saw in this fight, he can take a shot. He likes fighting that way. It's dangerous to accommodate him in those ranges. He has good, fantastic finishing ability. He's a handful, dude. I don't know how he's going to do against those top five, but uh, this kind of a style is going to make him a fan favorite. I can guarantee you that if it hasn't already. Damn right. Yeah. Um. All right. So we were wondering about this. Topic number four, BC. We didn't know what was going to happen with this one in terms of how it was going to be received. But Sean O'Malley kind of gets like, what, two, almost three finishes in one fight? Something like that. But either way, dominates, stands out, finishes Thomas Almeida, and does so with gusto. Okay, BC, the question for you is, was this win good enough, convincing enough, thorough enough to undo some of the damage he had caused by the way he handled the loss to Chito Vera. Yes, yes it was. And and it's not it's not without uh you know the possibility of criticism, the fact that he did leave Almeida off the hook and on the first walk-off attempt and I know Luke he talked a lot in the post-fight interview about almost pulling a BC and declaring himself an artist who's looking to come out here and get these, you know, clean special wins. You could criticize him and say he's too focused on that, Luke. But when you have that freaking thorough of a dismantling of a guy who showed a great chin, you got to give Thomas Almeida this. I mean, he took some some bombs and, and he's on that losing skid and this was a somewhat desperate opportunity for him. And it seemed like after he got dropped in round one, he got better and tougher and kept coming more. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lean on the potential for criticism of the walk-off thing because every other thing that Sean O'Malley did on his feet was brilliant. Luke, his combination of speed, technique, and creativity is special. And I'm glad we're past that Cheeto Vera loss where you know he leaned into the injury where I think a lot of us thought it was a little bit more than an injury. Cheeto Vera just sort of out-toughed him on that night. But this makes me feel like O'Malley is back. Um, he's going to be a weirdo. He's going to do it his way. He's going to try to look spectacular in the big moments. Will it cost him? We'll have to see. It didn't cost him, though, on Saturday night. So let's not hear that side of it. Yeah, did he... This is the part that I don't think... that the, Not that it got worse or a lot better. It got a little bit better, I would say. Did he answer any questions you had around his durability? Hard to say because it was a largely one-sided fight, Luke. Right. But, uh, you know, Almeida did focus on the legs a lot and did land some pretty serious uh, leg kicks. And, you know, it was good to see O'Malley acknowledge that in the post-fight interview and even during the fight that, oh, you know, the game plan is just kick me. Well, I I'm glad. Look, to me, this was this was O'Malley kind of... Um, shutting up a lot of the you know the, the demons that were chasing him after the vera loss so uh you know did i love the way he uh 
he dealt with the Megan Anderson thing when he was in the aerial interview when he was driving in the car and he was like, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. She's not my coworker anyway. Maybe that wasn't the best response, Luke, <laughs> but what we saw in the cage from this guy, right? Do I love his hair? No, but what we saw in the cage, he's brilliant in there. Um, he wasn't taken down. We didn't really see him in any potential areas where he could have showed us any rust or, or any issues, Luke. But when he's able to be in control on the feet like this, he's going to be hard. He's going to be a problem for a lot of people. I think the more that he continues to step back up in class, we're going to find out just how great any potential dif- deficiencies in his game actually are. Dude, when he's at range and he's dancing and he's fainting and he's moving and he's setting up, you're not going to beat him if you allow him to do that. He is way too good. He is way too accurate. His timing is otherworldly, delayed, staggered, the whole nine yards. And Almeida just let him do it. Almeida had no real way to take that element of the fight away from him. And he paid for it once, twice, thrice, with that third one being rather thunderous. Um, That's a hard guy to beat if he's got room to move. And he's going to force you to give him room. And as a consequence, I mean, he was a perfect strategy, right? It It was far enough away where any kind of takedown wasn't really materializing. He could kick and not get too torn up. And then he could shuffle his way on the inside to let his hands do some of the rest of the work and then go back to that rinse and repeat at changing angles, changing stances, giving different looks. Thomas Almeida was totally overwhelmed, really had no answer. The question is, did you think the fight should have been stopped in the first or second iteration where O'Malley did the I've already won walk-off thing? I didn't think the first time... It could have been stopped a second. Uh, I don't think it was, uh, you know, egregious that it wasn't. But obviously, when O'Malley finishes it off with that insanely violent of a leaping right hand to the ground, then it sort of it sort of adds some negativity on top of that. Where you're like, well, maybe it should have been because of how. I mean, that was a sick shot, Luke. Um, no, I, you know, I, look, it's it's. Would you have liked him to just dive down and finish it and not leave these these questions open? Yes. I was okay with the refereeing in it, and I'm also okay with O'Malley wanting to just be a wild showman because I think unlike some of these other showmen I, I tend to criticize, he does lead that showmanship into trying to finish these guys off. Okay, yeah, he walked away a little too early, but uh, I don't think it's getting in the way of his game per se. Um, do you think either of those should have been stopped? I was more or less fine with it. Yeah, I mean, when I, in real time, it's like, Jesus, do we have to let it get to a situation where Almeida got blitzed with that right hand and it was a disaster? Like, on the one hand, you want to avoid that. On the other hand, I went and I looked at both of those again, and I was like, dude, he was kind of there with it. He was making assessments about how to handle the situation. He was hurt. He was really hurt in both cases, but he wasn't He wasn't meeting the criteria of a stoppage. He just wasn't, and so... You know, I'm, I'm. It's unfortunate he had to get put out the way he did, but it's kind of the game we're in. I think there's better ways to pick fights with referees than this one. So I guess I just, I, I, I'm not happy that he got knocked out that way, BC. But it's kind of the right outcome. Let me ask you about Almeida. Not looking great since his return. You know what? You know what I picked up on BC. Okay. First of all, he still gets hit a lot, but maybe not as much as he once did. It's not quite as bad as before, but he didn't really throw a lot. He just took what he did and did less of it to avoid damage, but it just makes him less of an offensive threat. He hasn't transitioned to a new form of offense that he can consistently apply. It's it's no place to be. I, I rarely ever say this when a guy is in their prime, but I think he could actually benefit from being caught, Luke, and then 
having to go somewhere else and be one of those situations where you kind of just go down to AAA and figure out maybe some of the holes in your game, you know what I mean? Get a whether it's a new trainer, whether it's a commitment to you know, defense or something and then come back. I think he has the potential to be back and and you know, compete at this level again, but right now he's going in the wrong direction. So uh, it, it, if they cut him Luke with what, four straight losses, five in the last six, uh, you know, it's Am I frozen, Luke? No, you're. Uh, I think we're both frozen on the on, the, but not on the thing that they're sending. Not the signal they're sending to the viewers. Just on. All um, right, great. Just Let's on keep Zoom. going then. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, topic number five, BC. If we can get to it, not not a whole lot to set this one up. The card had some you know decent fights. It had some duds um, along the way. Who was a standout for you from the card? Well, I, I, you know, you love yourself some Miranda Maverick, and all things considered, considering Jillian Roberts, uh, Robertson's, um, you know, history in this division and, and experience, it's a pretty damn good three-round unanimous decision win, Luke. I'm, I may have to be uh, in on the Miranda Maverick train. All right, I don't know if our show is on the air, but I'm going to pretend like it is. Does that work for you? Yeah, that works great. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Miranda Maverick. She had to. Um, take drastic steps in that second round to avoid getting overwhelmed by Jillian Robertson. You know what I mean? She had to she had to really work through very bad grappling situations, but she did, and I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, Luke, when each has texted us and said we are fine, the people yeah, are still watching. Yeah, us. yeah, I saw, I saw. Uh, Alonzo Menafield. Now he fought a dude named Fabio Charant, I guess is his name who did not put up the sturdiest challenge I've ever seen, but he becomes, Menafield, just the fourth person in UFC history to score a Von Flu or Von Peru choke. Um, so, that, oh, and Abu Bakar and Nurmagomedov look really good against Jared Gordon as well. He did, Luke. And, and look, can we give Jamie Malarkey this credit? I, I, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't have picked him out of the lineup before this night, Luke, but Kama Worthy comes in there to get a highlight reel knockout, and Malarkey gave him one, Luke. That's two KO losses in a row for, for Kama Worthy, but... Uh, uh, for Jamie Malarkey, who who said he trained with uh, Volkanovski ahead of this fight, Luke, and um, do you think that you know he he put a two fight losing skid behind him? Did you see anything positive there? It was a really nice shot that he landed. He got right to work. Um, I don't know how good he is. It remains very much to be seen. Very nice win. Very nice way to start off the card. But as you mentioned, the wider resume has a couple of some concerning things on it. So I guess we'll see. I and just look, how about the yo you, yeah go ahead keep talking. I was just gonna say every time I hear his last name I just think about Joe Biden. Oh, that's malarkey, like the <laughs> oldest boomer shit you ever heard in your life. I just can't get it out of my head. Uh, Luke, were you as glued to the TV for the Slavic versus Baltic Super Bowl that was uh, my Lithuanian brethren Modestus Bukalkis? I think kind of getting robbed by split decision on the cards against uh, Mike Shashevsky here. Michal, yeah, well, uh, listen, I did not realize that Bukowskis was going to be fighting the head coach of Duke basketball, and I thought the head coach of Duke basketball really made a strong account of himself, BC. Okay, I, I, it was a fun fight. I thought my, my guy could have done could have pulled it out there in the uh, green and red or green and yellow war Lithuania. Let's go, Rose. Let's bring it back for our country, right? Luke, in the, in the Mount Rushmore of your favorite Lithuanians, would you have Rose, Thug Rose, Arvidas Sabonis, me and like Modestus Bukowskis, or um, are you big no. like Sarunas Marshallonis, uh, Yasakevicius, Zadrunas uh, uh, Savikis? I think that's how you say it. Uh, is like the world's greatest Lithuanian strong. Like the, sorry, 
He's one of the best strongmen ever and is Lithuanian. So you have to go with Zadrunas. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out to all my fellow fellow lits. We get lit. I don't know if you call us lits, but we do get lit. So shout out to all everyone in the uh, green and yellow out there. Yes, Luke. Uh, All right. I'm all about I'm Baltic by nature, not because I hate you, Luke. Okay. Very good. All right. So it's time for when you get to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from dogs. All right, so every Sunday we put up a post on Instagram. We ask for your questions, and then the producers of the show pick a few for us to answer. Uh, By the way, also want to remind everyone. uh, No, never mind. Sorry, that's it. Okay, let's go to Tyson underscore calm. Are the improvements that Francis Ngannou made between the first and second Stipe fights some of the most vast we have ever seen from a fighter? We see the answer is quite obviously yes. Yeah, uh, let, let, let's try to make a comparison, Luke. What I mean, it wasn't one fight, right? Because he did have five fights between the you know the last Stipe fight to now, and four of those were early knockouts. But can you remember a time where somebody, you know, has already had their elite close up, went back and retooled, and at least looked to be in one night a completely different fighter? Nothing stands out. Nothing stands out. I've seen guys take breaks and then come back and look better a little bit, you know, or not not much worse. Um, most of the time, dude, we end up talking about it on this show, like in the case of a a little bit Vicente Luque, but with the, the classic one for us is always Marvin Vittori, where it kind of just sneaks up on you, where there's this one fight and you're like, wow, man, this guy really, I didn't even no- notice this from his fight in August. Then his fight in January before, I didn't realize he had come this way. This is like, no, this is very unusual. Uh, by the way, it's not, here's the thing. Th- that's why this qu- that my answer in this question is a little bit misleading, BC, is because the other fights were also like nine fucking seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe we would have seen this more gradually if the fights went a couple of rounds, but they fucking don't. They barely go even a minute. They barely go 30 seconds, BC. So, like, you just don't get a real accurate assessment. It's like trying to, you know, track your weight. You step on the scale for five seconds. Oh, you weigh 10 pounds? Well, not even five seconds, five nanoseconds. You know, it's just not an accurate reading. That was a much more accurate reading because Stipe was trying to operate at a very low pace. He didn't come out like Rosenstrike, you know. Um, So you got to see a little bit more of it. Plus, Stipe, Stipe. So you got that. Uh, yeah. Are you having a bad time over there? What's going on? No, stuff's just falling. It's all right, Luke. All right. Don't worry. Let's go to gregnorius.co.jp. I guess he's in Japan. Do you think Stipe made a mistake weighing what he did for this fight? I do not. I think Stipe identified from the first fight what was actually his greatest skill. I mean, you could say the wrestling, but I think it really was the speed. In that first round, Luke, where he did get touched up in the first fight, his ability to step aside on those right hands and counter quick was the reason that Francis got, you know, tired and, and got hurt a little bit. And, and Stipe, although he nearly got stopped in the closing minute of that first round when he, of the first fight when he kind of came in a little bit too recklessly, um, I think speed was was the deal there, and I think that he's also f- was figuring out late in his career now how to uh, eat better, how to you know he said he's using supplements, a, a, you know, a more aggressive way for the first time. So uh, I really was all for that, Luke, because what would have happened if he bulked up? He would have been slower, and he still wouldn't have been bigger than Francis. So you have to right. kind of lean into what is going to be your 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 path to victory. 
You can bulk up if you're Stipe. Like, you can get around 240 or so. First of all, you know, you got Francis still sitting at barely. He can barely make heavyweight, right? Was it 263 or something like that? I mean, he's right at the edge. You can bulk up to, like, a tight end Gronkowski size, but you're not Gronkowski. You're not going to move like him. This ain't football anyway. So, like, whatever bulk you get, you're still not going to be as strong as Francis, and now you're going to be slower. Like, I don't know exactly what the right weight is, BC. That, you know, I'll let him as coaches determine what the exact one is. But if they were thinking, what's one advantage we could have over him? If they thought speed, they were right. That is one advantage they could keep. It wasn't enough in the end. But that doesn't mean that, that he came in at the wrong size. I actually think he came in at probably, you know, the perfect size, BC. I don't know. A perfectly good size? Yes. That is not the reason why he lost. He lost because he was just overwhelmed by a physical force who now is putting brains behind the brawn, and it's a formidable, formidable union. And again, um, like I, I feel like it needs to be said again. Even if Francis hadn't shown any of this improvement, Luke, fighting that man six rounds, seven rounds, you're eventually going to get caught. Like you right. know, it's just the way it is. Like That's that right. guy's a special destructive force. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I said this before too, BC. It's like, well, here was the one thing about the first fight that no one, not no one talked about, but it seemed more relevant to me than I was w- watching around me, which was, okay, I mean, Francis took a record beating there to the point where I was like, should the towel have been thrown by his corner or how damaging is this going to be? And we all have had that debate. But the one thing that also stands out about him going five rounds, I'm like, dude, that was... Stipe operating with a significant, in retrospect, a significant lead on him in terms of MMA technical know-how. And he still, after 25 minutes, could not put Francis away. If Francis just got moderately better, that would have a huge impact on the fight. This is what I mean. It's like, did Francis look good? Yes. But was he doing anything extraordinary in terms of what you see in any other weight class? No, not necessarily. It was just more of the best practices put to application. It's just that when you marry that with who he is, <laughs> good luck, motherfuckers. Y'all are going to need it. Y'all are going to need it. It is, uh, it's a bad day to be a heavyweight. Luke, how high up do you think Francis belongs in the pound for pound top 10? I've never given it thought. So I, uh, I, well, well, where, where, where are you going to put him? I'm going to have to give that thought today for CBS Sports. So I, I had him in the honorable mention area heading in, right? So about 12, 13, wherever you want to put that. You know, I had Stipe right around, I think, five or six. Uh, I wonder. I, wa- I mean, you know, he could be top five here, Luke. You know, like, th- that's not that's not crazy. I'm not going to put him above Jones. I'm not going to put him above Kamaru. But uh, you could have him four or five right now. You really could. Because it, it that type of power and athleticism is the perfect debate for the whole idea of regardless of weight. Meaning if everybody right. was in the same mythical weight class with the same strengths and weaknesses they have in their own weight class in this mythical one, with Francis closing some of these holes, Luke, I mean, he, you know, you could imagine him knocking out everyone if they were the same size as him. For years. For years. Yes. Uh, at Marcus Vamos... E. Um, would it be John Jones's best bet to fight Francis in a bigger cage and not in the apex? 
Yes, and I'm glad that th- this is the one thing we really didn't get into, the whole idea of how much did that Nganu performance change your belief that John can beat him. And Luke, anyone who follows this show or follows my work knows that I'm such a giant, massive believer that when John Jones moves up to heavyweight, which will be next, that his speed, defense, and length uh, will will give him a, an insane advantage over typically slower, clunkier heavyweights. And I even said to you on many occasions, Luke, until I see him lose, I'm not going to believe that he's going to lose against these heavyweights. Yes, he could get caught, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Uh, Luke, I now can believe it. I now would favor Francis Ngannou over him, you know, even like a minus 200, minus 250 level here. And I think John Jones would need a bigger cage. I think what it, when they make this fight, Luke, he is going to have to come out and put on a boxing performance that, that is just immaculate. It's not impossible, but it's got to be immaculate, right? You know what I mean? Because he's got great length. We can't forget that. John's got not heavyweight reach. He's got like he's got a Super stupid reach, right? Yes. He's so got an 84-inch reach. The only other person even close to that was seven-footer semi-shilt. So you consider that with his speed. His In boxing, is not even like his greatest skill, but it's kind of become the thing he's leaned into. Think of the head movement and stuff he showed against Reyes and, and Tiago Santos, just how brilliant John is. He's going to have to do that, but it's going to have to be toeing that line. And look, that's going to be really fun theater. Like that, Again, that fight is so great on so many levels, but yes, to the spirit of this question, you freaking need that bigger cage. You best believe it, Luke. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna actually, you know, we're talking about with Stipe, it's going to be interesting where John ends up with weight. You know, right now, we, he is uh, reportedly, by his own admission, I, I should say, somewhere around the 240 mark, right, give or take, depending on the day. He might want to, like, bulk and then lean a little bit right before because, again, you're not going to muscle fucking Big Francis. You can out-technique him in certain positions, yes, but you're definitely not going to be the – you're not going to be the physical beast of the two, and that's not going to happen. And then, um, you know, being a little bit lighter might give you some – because if you have a more cage – and you're a little bit lighter, you're going to have room to maneuver. Didn't help Stipe if you're charging into Francis and he's check-hooking you, but uh, in other circumstances, I can imagine, you know, that's what Johnson was doing, Johnson, that's what Jones was doing to Reyes a little bit, stick and move early and then pour it on kind of late. So I think there, there would be that kind of perspective. Uh, pop quiz, BC, John Jones has an 84-inch reach. What is Francis's reach? 79? 83. 83. Ooh. Ooh. Right. I'm telling you, this idea that, like, to me, and I was I was debating this before this fight was even made. I made it on this show before. Dude, I don't know what's going to happen with John in heavyweight. He might go up there and then dominate. But to me, the idea that that is inevitable, I don't buy that. Oh, I don't it's buy not that inevitable anymore. <laughs> even for me, who is a giant believer in not only what John does, but Luke, the fact that the gap between 205 and heavy in terms of speed and elusiveness, I still think it's large. It's very large, right? Look right. at look at who the guy who DC was in his heavyweight prime, right? I mean, the the speed is just is just insane. But uh, Luke, do you think John needs to be uh, more active with his with his kicking game? And I'm not talking about calf kicks. I mean the threat of head kicks. We don't see a ton of threat of john jones head kicks that could be a I mean, could that be cormier a big, basically very true very true but you, it, it doesn't that threat isn't isn't there a ton right i mean he'll he'll teep kick you 
Teak? Yeah. Teak? He tends to not do that. He has what I call single shot high variance. So what he does is if he goes left, then the next one is right. If he goes high, then the next one is low. If the next one's low, the next one's mid. And it's side to side, up and down, all over the place. And so with that, you tend to need to be on your feet a little bit more. It's not a super kicking intensive game. Um, so you're right. There might be a little bit more of that. But dude, how about Big Francis throwing a head kick? I mean, his dexterity was kind of shocking crazy. in this fight. It's it's crazy. And he's throwing leg kicks. He's throwing. He's jabbing to the body. I mean, look, the, dude... When, when we already know that Francis has two things that are that like if you're fighting him you just wish he didn't have a chin and a willingness to fight through stuff I mean again that first fight with Stipe he had nothing left yet he's still to start rounds four and five the guy trying to come forward right he's got those two foundational aspects Luke it's gonna be real it's gonna be really freaking hard to beat him I mean really hard <laughs> Really, uh, really hard. All right. At like someone gives a fuck. It's not quite how they spell it, but that's what they mean. True or false, BC. Jones versus Francis sells over 1.5 million pay-per-views. That seems like a very, very true to me. Very true. Very true. It's got stupid potential. Okay. It's got, uh, you know, I, I tease. Could it get three earlier? I think if you... If you marketed it right, and when I when when you say marketing it right, Luke, I don't think you need fr like crazy friction between the two of you. But you need a now that COVID is uh, is turning around, you need a a world tour, a world tour of bringing these guys on camera, face to face, and showing the size and and you know like you know you need that. If you do that, if you commit the money to the kind of marketing tour. You could you could really go into some you could break the record you Luke you could get I don't, over I, I'm not as high as you on that I don't think that this tops I don't think this tops two but I think it can top one five and I think it can be one of the biggest fights in those divisions histories I mean Luke, uh, when, right. when have we have we not seen that commitment I know COVID's a different story but have we not seen that commitment to a press tour since like McGregor Aldo or maybe the second Diaz fight where it's like yeah all all you know all hands on deck we'll spend whatever it takes to promote this this thing yeah yeah I mean there's a question of like to what does that meaningfully add it certainly creates the kind of b-roll you need for like preview shows and stuff like that um and it obviously is creates some fun memories of Connors out there you know dishing out all the insults or whatever but I don't know how I, I I'll just say this if they if they both did the heavy lifting in terms of going on shows and they did a press small press tour for it and then the UFC really pumped it up and they put it right in the calendar there are ways this could I think exceed a lot of people's expectations I still think two would be a stretch but over one five I do believe is absolutely doable all right at Liam Rowe Ed L I don't know what the fuck that means. AJ McKee <laughs> against the current top 10 145ers in the UFC BC. How does he do? I, I still don't know. Luke, I still don't know. And I think that's the, the really cool part about the ending of this Bellator featherweight tournament is I, I say this in every preview show we did. And by the way, please go to uh, YouTube and check out on the Showtime Sports Channel the road to Bellator's uh, featherweight semifinals that you and I shot. That is... Uh, Maybe not getting the love it deserves for the oh, amount of effort. Tearing up the internet right now. Is a great show. Just a, <laughs> a spectacular show. Uh, I'll say this, Luke. Uh, the, the, the key thing I keep saying is I don't know how good McKee is. I don't think Pitbull does. I don't think McKee does. And I really mean that, Luke. I mean, like, did you expect him to be called well that quickly and easily? Hell no, right? He's run through this tournament. So um, 
I think he has the tools to be competitive against anyone at this weight class in the world. But I really can't confidently say I know that he can go in there against Max Holloway and have a chance to beat him. I don't know yet, Luke. I don't. Yeah, I uh, I mean, here's his top ten. Let's just go through these. Movsar Evloev. Maybe it's still undefeated, but still a bit of an unknown. Edson Barboza, it's a tough fight. Bryce Mitchell, another tough fight. Shane Burgos, tough fight. Sadiq Youssef, tough fight. Arnold Allen, Jeremy Stevens. Stevens might be a little more doable for him. Dan Ige, Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater, Chan Sung Jung, Yair Rodriguez, Zabit Megamed Sharapov, Brian Ortega, Maxwell. I mean, those are all fucking tough fights, dude. Like, let's see, let's see how he does against either Pitbull or Emmanuel Sanchez, who obviously will fight in the main event this weekend, and then he gets the winner of that. That will tell us a lot, but, uh, you know, I think he can win in that space. I, I absolutely believe that. But where he sorts out, hard to know. Really hard to know. All right, BC, time to get weird. And that hey. doesn't mean to pull out your Johnson, but it does mean to continue the show. All right, Luke, you know what we do every Monday. We, uh, we scour the globe for the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, and in between in combat sports and beyond. This one's called, have you seen this shit? Oh, God. All right, Luke, UFC 260 was the big time uh, thing going on this weekend. Did you see the reaction in Francis Ngannou's hometown of Bati Cameroon? They apparently have cameras there, Luke, and this was the scene. Manich, let's go to the videotape. Very beautiful tent set up here for the locals, Luke. Their, their, their local boy makes good. He knocks out Stipe. Look at this, Luke. Not yet, not yet. He's winning. Stipe hasn't run into the left hook yet. He's about to. By the way, there I'm not clowning at is. all. I there love to see this stuff. I love is, to see this, Luke. I don't care love what it. country they're from, what part of the world. Whenever you see something like this, dude, it is always amazing. I mean, do you remember growing up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you moved around. You didn't have like a ton of civic pride where you're from. But whenever like local boy makes good, says, or even says like the guy who never joined the military versus the guy who did. Okay. You, even so, says like the guy, Luke, says the guy was, who got his city tattooed on his forearm. Okay. Sure. Nah, yeah, but you you're you're different. Like even if it's like the eighth grade little league baseball team wins the district championship, I mean there'd be like parades in my time. I mean, like people cared about this stuff. I love seeing this stuff, Luke. Okay. I mean seriously, Africa's taken over right now. When you have three dominant champions, this is a great time to be alive for UFC global expansion, Luke. Right? There's that one colonist right there, the white guy on the left. What's he doing there? See him right there? Yeah, he must be like the. Uh, no, nah, I don't know. I don't know, Luke. I mean, white people can live in Cameroon. I don't know what you're trying to. What I'm sure they can, there. but not a lot of them do. All right. Hey, Luke, let's go into the apex. Uh, UFC. Or do they? Featured... I don't know. That might be true. I, I might, might be. Hey, is this uh, the son of Tom Hanks? Is this that Chet Hanks guy that everyone hates? Uh, no, it's Machine Gun Kelly. I think, Luke, uh, UFC featured a celebrity seating area in the apex for the first time. And did this ever make you less? Want to be a celebrity, Luke? Uh, yeah, it's like first here, of all, every everything about this clip is uh, is why people hate celebrities. I mean, they love them, is, but they also hate them. Is very douchey. So why is that's Paul Anka, by the way, in the back? Why is Paul Anka there? A, B. This just looks like a a shit show of like. I mean, that's Travis Barker from Blink One Eighty Two. I'm like, I, I mean, I get that there's some name value there, Luke, but this just. Um, well, let me, let, let's back up a step here. Travis Barker, I'll exclude from this conversation because when I was on SiriusXM, we used to do uh, post-fight shows, and he would come on and be a guest. He's, he's a, a he's real, legit. 
Yeah, he's a real fight fan and has been a real fight fan. By the way, on the boxing side, too, for a long time. So if he's dating Kourtney Kardashian and she's just there because she wants to be on camera, whatever. He's a real fight fan. I'm actually glad that he's there. I don't like his music, but he's cool. And then on Chet the back Hanks. right corner, is that the Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner, Luke? Yeah, Joe LSU? Burrow in the back. And by the way, if you look at his table, it's only like Gatorade and water. I'm like, stop fucking lying, Joe Burrow. You've been boozing in the offseason. Oh, you yeah. Have. Oh, there's a there's a cocaine and HGH room in the back. You better believe that, Luke. Okay, okay so here's Lorenzo Machine Gun Kelly, who understand the reality about Machine Gun Kelly. He got, and I don't even, dude, Eminem is only producing the equivalent of like Christian rap these days. It's the most dad-centric, shitty, awful rap imaginable. And yet, he bodied Machine Gun Kelly so badly that the guy has, I don't know if he's rapped since, and all he does now is put out like these teeny bopper, you know, like pop punk bullshit stuff. And he's making a killing doing that. God bless him. It's America. He got badgered out of rap. And yet, and yet, dude, Megan Fox continues to make regrettable decisions. I don't understand life. <clears throat> yeah, that's the Hollywood life. Our, our producer, Manish, jumping in to say, you know, big facts. Damn right. All right, Luke. Speaking of uh, people you anyway, don't want to Hanks was screen, there. Let's continue it, Luke. Jake Paul and Ben Askren had their big uh, press conference face-off ahead of their April 17th boxing match. Let's watch this shit. I believe we have audio. What are they between here? Uh, glass. You know, the athlete that Ben is, he must look at Jake Paul and be like, Jesus. Um, Luke? Oh, what is this? I mean... I know that it's a it's a little bit of a bit for me to defend this fight. And, and look, I, I am interested in seeing what happens, but... This does not make me care about it. This this is cringy as all kinds of all kinds of shit, Luke. Okay. Yeah, I um I don't know whether I want to watch it just to see how it looks, or just to skip it because I know if I watch it just to see how it looks, I'm still gonna hate it. You know. I mean, do you see I the announce quite... team? It's like Pete Davidson from SNL <laughs> and Mike Coppinger. So yeah, there you go. All right, great. Yeah. I did, so, dude, dude, I said this on Twitter. It's like, dude, I, do I think this is gonna sell? A hundred percent. It's going to sell stupid amounts of, of buys, and it's going to make a lot of money. I'm not denying that. There's a massive interest in it. But with all the fucking money that they're spending, dude, they they bid triple what almost uh, double what most people were trying to pay just for Teofimo. You got all these other pieces of money down the way. I would be very surprised if they make a fucking dime on this, given how expensive it is. Shout out to uh, our boy Ray Flo, Ray Flores, and uh, Al Bernstein also on this broadcast as well, Luke. So uh, yeah. it should be interesting there. Have you All downloaded right, Triller on your phone? Never heard of it. Okay, right, Luke, exactly. let's go over Case to Zone Boxing, our co-main event from Gibraltar this Saturday. Do you see Ted Cheeseman put it on James Metcalf? Here's the ending of their brawl, Luke. Wow. Oh. This was a wild fight. The big cheese himself is back with a bang, Luke. The big queso. Look at this white guy. Yeah. Wow. That was. <laughs> Dude, tell you, those UK was... boys, they can scrap. 
They're good. They're, they they are. They ha- they all have low ceilings, Luke, in terms of their uh, international uh, ability to like win titles and travel and go to the U.S. But when they fight each other, it's a banger. Look at Certainly this. Is. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. All right, Luke. I don't know what this is in Poland. It's called Fen Thirty Three. It was Lotus Fight Night Five. Luke, this is Katarina Shakalova against Isabella Badurek. Can you des- describe what's going on here, Luke? I mean, this is some wild shit, Luke. This is, uh, these are two well-matched, like, purple belts. I want to I see mean, the beginning like of that a... scramble again. I want to see the beginning of that scramble again. And she just kind of like suplexes a... here, like, halfway. I mean, it's just the craziest shit. This is like WWE style. Hold on, let this me see legit. here. So she rolls her over with the head, turns, takes the back, single, Iranian, yeah, it's like a standing Iranian almost. That's Woo. weird. These ladies are letting it go, Luke. All right, I got. I was, you know, I enjoyed it. Okay, let's keep it going. Hey, what do you think about their from- tattoos? Uh, yeah, yikes, yikes, Luke. Okay, <laughs> this is uh, by the way. You know from- it. Hold it. Last thing on this. You know it's high level MMA BC when they have fake tat or like uh, temporary tattoos. You know, like Golden Palace and shit. They when they still have that, you know, you're in the prime of your career. Oh, yeah. Boxing from Tokyo on Wednesday, Luke. Check out super featherweight Yoji Saito flattening Takahiro Akai. Yes. Look at these Japanese studs. Ooh. Dude, people sleep on Japanese boxing. Japanese boxing is legit. And MMA, MMA, Luke, like Risen. People are never talking about that enough. It's great. I know. And then when they do, they make karate chops with their hands and shit, and people don't like it. Not not fair, not fair. But uh, check out the tan too on um, on old uh, Yoji Saito. That was a hell What's of a his left haircut hook. there. That's a is Look he appropriating that haircut from somewhere else? That's a Sexayama level tan right there. Oh. Good stuff. That All right, Luke. Look. Do you know you know regional MMA right? Anything can happen. Let's oh, do yes. that, Luke. This brings new meaning to punching your lights out. Check out this. <laughs> Anything can happen in the regional scene, Luke. You got to be careful. Do you think I, dude? I have literally. It was a former promotion. The guy who ran it uh, died a few years ago. We had a falling out. I, I, um, I regret that we never were able to mend fences before he passed. But he put together a show called UWC Ultimate Warrior Challenge. There's two of them. There's one in the UK. There's one here. This was the 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 American based one. I'm not sure if he ever had the rights to that name, but whatever. Um, and I remember we were calling, I think it was like a Mike Easton fight who briefly fought in the UFC, and the lights went out. And this was at the George Mason Patriot Arena. Now it's like the Eagle Bank Arena or whatever. But you know, this place holds like 10, 12,000. And the whole lights in the place went tits up for a good solid while while we were broadcasting. And we had to wait until they fixed it. Lights going out is a key part of regional MMA. Oh, yeah. Luke, so are insane head kicks. Let's keep the train moving here on the regional scene. Oh. oh my god! I think Fuck. I think they had lighting issues at this fight too, Luke. What are those shadows right there? Wow, dude, that was. I mean, he did the convulsing bit on that one. Oh, face first, Luke. I mean, he, he sent probably got him paid. To the shadow realm, dude. He probably got paid fifty bucks for this. And I don't think he saw that kick coming because look at the inconsistency of the lighting there, Luke. I mean, this is ridiculous. Oh, he ducked the punch and then just bop. Oh my god. Woo. Dude, that is, that's a terrible way to go, man. 
Well, let's check in with Grandma Luke. You know, there should probably be an age limit on downhill scooter racing, but uh, these ladies don't care, Luke. Oh, these old broads are about to fucking buy the farm here. <laughs> here we go. Which one do you let's see. Which, win, oh, Luke? dude, who put them up to this? Are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> that dude, fuck you. That's elder abuse. That's elder abuse. <laughs> they seemed willing, though, Luke. They did seem willing, okay? Dude, they seem willing when Nigerian princes ask for their social security number. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's a great point. Yes, yes. They Hi, just gave I it to us. Yeah, because you fucking Luke? tricked them. Oh, oh God. Wow. Yeah. Luke, it wouldn't be an old person's house in Florida if they didn't have a no solicitation sign out front, right? You know, that's that's great. All right. Uh, let's go over to see some flying shit. Luke, you love soccer. Checked out Victor Lindenloff going full Masvidal on this Ashgren cat. Look at this. Whoa, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, for a set piece. Bow. Do you see them going back and forth on Twitter? No. You didn't see oh, Ashgren yeah, and yeah, Masvidal yeah. getting after it? Yeah. I thought you meant Victor Lindenloff. No, I no, don't I don't no, really no, watch no. this. I don't this, I don't this, this is nubs. I don't know which team well, these Luke, are. I can't quite tell. That was only the second best flying kick of the week. Let's go into this guy's living room and see what happens next. Finish him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right? Wow. Damn, somebody picked that kid out of the carpet already. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're going to have right. that kid's teeth in the bottom of her foot. All right. Well, Luke, this is why you have to tell the kids no volleyball in the house. I know you're going to be very strict on your daughter when she grows up because this can happen, Luke. All right, it's a set piece. Yep. Thanks. Oh God, that's just not, that's just not right. That's just not, that's just ridiculous. All right. Hey, Luke, I think we found Joey Chestnut's future rival. Okay, this is the grossest thing I've ever seen, Luke. Watch how this man consumes these hot dogs. I don't know if this is physically possible. Did he you? Did, let me ask you them. a question. Did you ask this guy out after you filmed this video? <laughs> Luke, he swallows them. How does that not shut your esophagus down? Did you uh, did you take this guy to your high school prom? He's not chewing them. He's he's inhaling them, Luke. Are you like not concerned for this guy's future? No, I've I've seen many people of both sexes do things like this. Well, <laughs> I've got video to prove it. All right, uh, let's keep it going, Luke. The uh, the New York City subways, COVID or not, do remain the most dangerous playgrounds on earth. Watch this. <laughs> oh God! Wow. I've been waiting. I've been waiting, dude. Sitting on that subway, headphones turned on, noise canceling to the max, and I've got to deal with these panhandlers coming through. You know, and sometimes they yeah. need it. Now you give them money, and sometimes they're just assholes who just ruin the ride. I've been waiting yes. for one of them to fall. This uh, thick lady appears to be the first to suffer that fate, unfortunately. Oh, God. You, you get some CTE with that 225, Luke. But, uh, wow, hopefully she didn't miss her is that, stop. Is that the six um, train, too? Yeah, like J-Lo, definitely on the six. Luke, someone, finally, someone who recognized who the real champion was. Check out Adriano Marais of one championship putting the belt on the waist of who it belongs, Luke. Oh, no, 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 no. Did you see? Look at Look, look at old Shotry right there, Luke. You know, he's like, maybe we should. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Put it around my waist. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Luke. What is the... 
God, I want to make a really mean joke. Um, no, don't don't do it, Luke. Don't do All it. Right. We don't. You don't need to. You can get caned in Singapore for that. Okay, you don't. Need yeah, it's to true. Be like Michael Fay. All right. Hey, Luke, good news. Russian fans continue to celebrate Habib Nurmagomedov's retirement and unbeaten record. Let's let's zoom in here on Google Maps and uh, and see what they're doing down there, Luke. Is this Chechnya? No, it's not Chechnya. It shouldn't be. This uh, Dagestan? Let's get a little closer here. Let's. Uh... Oh, street views. Okay. Luke, does a uh, Russian bear shit in the woods by any chance? Listen, listen. You think I'm in a position? I, I just farted uh, on the show, right? Just now, just now, I had to be careful about how I did everything because my rear end is about to explode. You think I'm going to mock this man no, no, for no. his very well, delicate situation? Well, Luke. Not only are these next two women huge Habib fans, they're also big Thai Tuivasa fans. Look at how they celebrated Habib's retirement. Can we advance this, Manich? Oh God. Yeah. Right. I Dude, mean, I'm with um, you on the shoey thing being fucking stupid at this point. <laughs> I've I've done them, but it's like if you just do this everywhere you go, it's like it's like Ty. We're just returning some slacks at J.C. Penny. You don't have to pull off your shoe here and do this because we're in a new business. It gets it gets a little much. It does. It really does. Uh, I got two more for you, Luke. Uh, you know, people think I don't like JMMA. Watch this shit from over the weekend, Luke. Yes. Look at this first round. I don't know what the hell this is, Luke, but just watch it, okay? I think this is Korean MMA. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Are those flies in in the cage? This is a war, Luke. Oh, he got sat down big. Oh, there's the other one. Yeah, that was All a right. Who Lands first kind of fight. Yeah, this is Korean. Yeah. This is Road FC. Shout out to our friends over there at Road FC. That's, that's probably my new favorite uh, promotion. I like how they have like butterflies and wasps in the in the cage. Look, look at it. The dude who lost has a pistol tattooed on his ribs. You like that? Oh yeah, it's very 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 Valentino. I get down like that, Luke. Okay, I might have to I might have to uh, scout his IGs out for that, Luke. Shout out to Park Sung Mo. All right, one more for you, Luke. Uh, you know, you ever you ever try to cock block your friends as they are like in the club talking to girls? Check out Spicoli right here. <laughs> oh, and this dude looking like he's the fucking captain of the Yacht Rock fucking channel somewhere. Yeah, yes, yes. Well, the ship is now sunk, Luke. Fuck so, that guy. Yes. And why, dude, why is why is uh, Zach Morris jumping on this board wherever the fuck they are? Look at the Zach Morris. Looking for old yeah. AC Slater somewhere. Oh, yeah. the ball's there. <laughs> Screech. R.I.P. Screech, Luke. Okay, R.I.P. That's it, Luke. That's all the shit I've got this week. Okay, all right. All right, you. very good. Uh, BC, that means we come now to a point where we have odds and ends. What do you have for odds and ends? Yeah, we had the uh, heavyweight boxing rematch on zone on Saturday from the Rock of Gibraltar there. I was happy that you and Rashad on Friday, Luke, gave like an actual preview. You didn't half-ass it, even though you showed your disdain for it. And mentioned that you wouldn't be watching the fight, so that was really nice for our viewers, Luke. Yes, as but I uh, my nails. Dillian, 
Yeah, Dillian White, fresh off uh, their fun first fight when he lost his WBC mandatory position by being sent to hell by Alexander Povetkin. They did have the rematch. It was a fun little brawl for when it lasted, but Dillian White was able to stop Povetkin in just a couple rounds. But Luke, not a great feeling coming out of that fight because Povetkin had two battles with COVID in the past couple months, including hospital stays, and he just didn't seem to be himself. He just didn't look right. He came there ready to fight, ready to make war, as he always does, but White had enough firepower to get him out of there. The problem is, though, is it a problem, you you tell me, uh, with Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury seemingly at a crossroads coming up for this two-fight saga, which I know every month we there's a report out there from somebody named Coppinger that the fight's a done deal, and then it isn't. But that's going to lock them up for a while. So Dillian White, Luke, is not going to get his big title shot for a long time. But I'd love to see him in a big fight off of this. He avenged a, a really uh, disastrous defeat against a tough-ass bull in Povetkin. And, uh, you know... We'll see, Luke. We'll see what happens next. I'd love to see Dillian White against uh, Deontay Wilder. Like I, if bo- if heavyweight boxing could be matched like the UFC, that would be next, Luke, and it'd be great. I don't know. Are we ever going to see Wilder again, Luke? What the hell's going on? I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Wilder. As for this fight, White was winning the first one. I mean, I was was so funny about it. He dropped Povetkin twice in the round before he got finished. Um, so he was doing really well there, but Povetkin, you know. Had his day. It really that 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 I don't know if I'm gonna call it rivalry, but that two fight stretch there really is one of those moments where you reflect on like who was better that night because that night the first time Pavetkin was better, but that doesn't mean he's better overall. And so you know when you got a chance to do it again, you got that. Uh, for my odds and ends, I've actually two of them. One. July 3rd, BC. July 3rd, Oscar De La Hoya is apparently making his boxing comeback. He hasn't fought since I guess he got absolutely fucking railroaded by Manny Pacquiao. I took my wife uh, on a date that day. We watched that fight. Uh, we were dating at the time, BC. So I took her to were a gun armed? range. and a, We didn't actually go to the Pacquiao fight. We actually watched the Pacquiao fight at like a bar. Um, but she wanted to watch it, so I said, okay, we can watch it. Uh, anyway... He wants to fight like nothing so, like taking a fine lady out to a shooting range, Luke. I mean, that's a, that's just that's romance. One on one. Let me say something. You know that. how well it worked? Super fucking well. Um, point <laughs> point being is this, BC. I, I don't know who Bullseye? he's gonna, Luke. Is that yeah, where you're headed with this? I, I don't know where he's gonna. I don't know where he's gonna fight. They're talking about Texas potentially, but July third, he's looking for a big UFC name. BC, who is predict now? Who is Oscar De La Hoya going to fight if the July third thing is real? So, yeah, the July 3rd thing does seem real. And by the way, for all the ridiculous De La Hoya talk of late of like, I'm going to fight Triple G, I want to fight the best. No, stop that shit. If you do want to fight again because you were inspired by, you know, the Tyson Roy Jones thing and maybe you want another shot at glory and to end your career on your own terms, let's do it in a matchup where you have a chance, right? I think Masvidal would probably be their preferred guy, Luke. I don't think that's going to happen. I wonder, though. And would you care about this? Oscar against Anderson Silva. Do it at like light heavyweight, even though middleweight was the highest Oscar ever fought that. Would you be into that? Do you think that could be competitive? Oscar's like 47, Silva's like 45, but hasn't had a pro boxing match in, you know, in a decade. I don't, I don't want to see that. Or more that. than that? Yeah, I don't want to see would that. You would not ca- So, so what do you want to see then? Like what, what, what? Like, do you want him then against like another old guy, like him against Ike Corte? And this this may sound strange to you, BC. I don't need to see him box at all. At all, 
Yeah, all right. How about Trinidad rematch? Would that move you? <laughs> what kind of shape is Trinidad in these days? Pretty good physical shape, but he's really? you know, he's old. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, here's the thing that that like I I tend to oversell how much I dislike it, which I, I mean in the following way. It's like, would you watch Ben Askren versus Jake Paul? Which I realize is not the same thing as this, but you know, would you watch these crazy matchups if it was actually like you were in the gym and they were just sparring? Yeah, of course I would watch that. I'd be that'd be kind of cool to watch if it was like really low stakes. Kind of an interesting test to see how the two matched up or, you know, whatever the permutation is, De La Hoya and Silva. You know, yeah, I'd actually be kind of interested in seeing that. But, like, as a setup prize fight, it's asking too much of me um, to be super hyped about it. But I would I would like to watch him spar, yeah. I'd be, that'd be really cool. I would actually. All right, look, look. let's say Jake Paul goes out there and beats Askren. Okay, maybe he doesn't knock him out, but let's say he's the better boxer. He wins a decision. What about Jake Paul against... Oscar De La Hoya. He's younger. He's bigger. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about that. I said it before, dude. Uh, listen, I'll give Jake Paul what I think you can give him. Uh, and then, you know, Logan and whatever. They're stunt boxers, right? And to be a stunt boxer, you have to have some actual ability. You really have to have a piece of it, several pieces of it, to make it all kind of work. But it's just that. It's a little bit of sleight of hand. You have to actually have some skill, but you marry it with sleight of hand. Very favorable matchmaking. You're kind of boxing as a stunt in stunt kind of ways. So um, is De La Hoya at the level where he can be stunt boxed? I, You know, the thing with Askren is he was never a boxer, never a particularly good striker, and he had a fucking hip replacement. Like that is, you're like, okay, that maybe can work. But with De La Hoya, it's <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh-oh, you got AIDS? Um, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, Luke, uh, don't forget that Larry Holmes came out of retirement in his 50s to fight a prime butterbean. So it's kind of, you know, and he won by decision. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's another guy. King of the four rounders, butterbean. He was a much better version of it, but he was a stunt boxer too, where you're not really True. a boxer. You're not really trying to go 12 rounds. You're not really trying to win world titles. You're trying to use some degree of skill, marketing, a difficult challenge, but one you can kind of cross creates a bit of anticipation, a bit of a high wire act. It's stunt boxing. That's what it is. Um, yeah, like CM also, Punk's MMA career, right? Yeah, well, something like that. Uh, also, BC deserves to be mentioned, the UFC Reebok partnership is over in terms of apparel. Now, they'll keep making the shoes, I believe, for the fighters to walk out or whatever apparel they need for footwear because I don't think Venom does that beyond a very limited scope. They do do some boxing shoes. I don't think they do a whole lot more than that. Um so I believe that the next set of gear you're going to see is Venom gear. I don't know what it's supposed to look like or what. But it turns out Mike Bond traced how much it paid out. It was reportedly going to pay out over the life of the deal $70 million. It ended up paying out $39 million, So a little bit over half of what was reported at the time. Great deal. I did some math on this, BC. If you take 39.3 and you divide it by 6, which is the life of the deal, 6 years, and then you divide that by 12. So how much you get in a month on average for Reebok pay was 545000 So let's say you had a card. Uh, sorry, you had a month where you had three UFC cards, 12 fights each card, right? If you actually do the math on that, what does it end up being for per fighter on average under those considerations? A per fight, about 7500 Folks, I got to tell you, <laughs> based on what fighters were making before the deal, 
it was not all of them, but a huge chunk of them were making a lot more than seventy five hundred per fight on average. Let me tell you. So. Yeah, I'll tell you. Sorry, look, I've been distracted. There's like fifty mile an hour winds today, and my garbage can just got sent across the street, and it's all we had those last night, garbage. dude. They were they were the high winds. Yeah. When you start getting winds above forty miles an hour, bro, it gets real in the field out here. You know what I hate doing? Going into my neighbor's property to pick up my trash that's like floating around. That's I hate that feeling. You know. How long is this banana? You think? <laughs> is it too yeah. green to eat? Look, do you subscribe to the theory that a real man breaks it before he bites it, or what? Look. So I told my wife that, and she told me I was the dumbest human in the galaxy. Yeah, I told her. Joke. It's a recycled. I told joke. her. I know. I said. I said. I said. Brian Campbell says you can't. No, eat that's a- not my joke. It's not my joke. I blamed you anyway. I don't care how fair that is. That could be fake news. Now it's real news. And I told her, you can't, if you're a dude, you know, hold on. You can't eat a banana like, oh, <laughs> and they're going to gift me for that. <laughs> I just did myself in. That's okay. You know, you got to give to the internet a little bit. You had said we had to eat, like breaking it up into like bite-sized nibbles. Like, ah, oh, fucking banana. She told me I was an idiot. She told me I was a fucking idiot. So there you go. All right, Luke, go to the gym today with that with that erect banana and just walk around and, be, and, and like, you know, make eye contact with other uh, other meatheads in there. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm, fucking just walking around. Mm, it'll be great. All right, BC. Yeah, I got to go pick you, up my trash. It's all over the neighborhood. Luke, hold on, hold right? on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't do your typical Irish goodbye, please. If you want to follow us and subscribe to us, you can see below on the lower third where we are. Morning Combat's name is consistent everywhere. BC and I change it up a little bit between Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to try Showtime, Bellator on Showtime debuts this sat. Excuse me, Friday night. Mohegan Sun, you want to try it. Show.com slash Bellator MMA, $4.99 a month for just the first six months. It's a pretty, pretty nice deal there. BC, I will see you, what, Wednesday morning, but we're going to get there tomorrow night, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. What what night you want to do a little room service diaries, maybe, right? Probably Wednesday night because I don't think the calendar for shooting on Thursday is that early, but I could be wrong. So I guess we'll have to see. Um, but we'll have that done. So go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a nice review, ask a question that's not, what's your favorite arm bar from a bantamweight in fucking Europe? I don't know, and I don't care. Do something fun. Um, if you want to get some merch, you can go to store.show.com. And uh, what else, BC? Anything else? Oh, email us, morningcombat at gmail.com, because we didn't do a dead wrong last week, so we owe a bunch for that, plus we have fan submissions on Wednesday from the Bomb Shelter BC, right? Yeah, um, it's going to be fun to see you again, Luke, you know, in person. All right, well, go pick up your trash. This is what your best use of your life is, picking up your neighbor. Go pick up your neighbor's trash, Um, and I'll see you on Wednesday, all right? You think I care? You think I care about what you think about my trash, Luke? It's not even your trash. It's your neighbor's trash, you fucking peasant. All right, there he is. For Malka, Showtime, CBS, Brian Campbell, and everyone in between, including his neighbor who lets his trash just spray all over his own property, um, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all your gains be loyal.